0: hi i'm
1: elise i'm matt and welcome to pod wraiths a star trek deep space 9 podcast if this is your first time joining us we're two friends watching star trek deep space 9 and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite star trek series
0: this week we're talking about season one episode five "Babel," teleplay by michael mcgreevy and naren shankar and directed by paul lynch this episode aired on January 24th, 1993.
1: This week on Star Trek: Deep Space 9, a virus infects the station's residents, making almost everyone unable to speak coherently. Well, at least here we are, season 1, episode 5. What were what were some of your initial thoughts? How did you feel about this episode?
0: Um, first of all, seeing how every character would act and what they would do during COVID-19 was like pretty wild. <laughs> Um, yeah, this
1: this episode hits differently <laughs> than uh, the last time I watched it.
0: I felt like I was not surprised by any one person's actions. Like, Quark right. acted like Quark. Kira acted like Kira. It was just exactly what I would expect. And not in a boring way where you're like, oh, I, I'd like to be surprised. It was like a comforting way. Like, I actually found enjoyment in it, and I, I found it... Right funny that um you know quark would be the one to keep his business open still because he's an asshole like et cetera. <laughs> et cetera. <laughs> i'll also admit when i watched it earlier in the week i didn't even make that connection and uh, that the virus and pandemic and i i'm like what was i watching <laughs> but um it came around the second time
1: yeah no for sure and like i'm sure we'll, we'll get into it kind of as we get into the the meat of discussion but a lot of the like stuff with like captain Jahil, i think that was his name yes um and the idea like i'm not sick i'm scared i need to leave i need to like you know go live in the woods deliberately so i don't get sick get out of the the city that is deep space nine and go to the country even though you know he's probably a carrier of the virus and you know and asymptomatic and and all of that stuff it just (laughs) felt it just felt very very now
0: (laughs) yeah Um, it was funny how that character first was like none of my crew's sick i'm we're all leaving and at the end he was like my crew's all sick i need to leave on my own
1: that's what what happens i guess then if you're you're comfortable we can kind of get into the the main thrust kind of more of of the discussion and it was it was kind of a interestingly kind of structured episode in that we just kind of get the main kind of plot through that there's not there's a couple character beats that we can kind of talk about but it's it's almost like a very kind of like plotty episode that way
0: i i like i mean i know what to babble is but i looked it up just to get like a true definition and what i found was a confusion of sounds or voices and that obviously tracks in the episode because the virus that everyone gets causes them to not be able to communicate properly or understand what other people are saying to them so that right. was um you know one level of the title of the episode
1: yeah and and i think too like language is such a powerful like cultural signifier and i know i get within the context of star trek folks are were assumed speaking kind of their their own own languages and through the star trek techno babble you know the gifting of the universal translator that's how they're able to communicate generally speaking writ large that like again language is one of the most important parts of culture it's the way in which people communicate with one another it's the way in which we build relationships and ultimately cultivate and develop our our sense of community looking back kind of over the history of human evolution as language began to develop different cultural communities were put together and created collective cultural like understandings through the use of sounds right so like to have that taken away from you is kind of taking away one of those really important building blocks of of culture, and again, Babel is also a a biblical reference to one of the the origin stories in in the book of Genesis under the Tower of Babel. So, just kind of a little bit of Cliff's notes for that. It's after after the flood, humanity is a kind of you know a single one one nation kind of culture coming out from that. They decide they want to build the the titular Tower of Babel to to reach heaven, and then god is like no 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 not cool not cool not cool what god does is then that's the origin myth or explanation for the various cultures in, in the world and the different languages because god then makes people or, or creates different languages if i'm recalling it correctly and then that's then spreads people apart so it's from when when humanity it's in the context of the the story goes from being a, like a singular monoculture to a culture of many and you know it's m- Thousands, millions, I don't even know how many languages there are on Earth, but all, all the different language and things like that. So that's, that's where we get the idea of babbling and sounds of confusion and voices. And, you know, yeah, it's all its all tied together. It's all tied together.
0: It's interesting. You can tell the frustration, because obviously in the episode, O'Brien is the person that gets hit first with this virus. And you can just see the frustration on his face of not understanding like, he's scared, but also people not understanding him. He, uh, I feel like there's some really good face acting in this episode. Like, you really right. got a sense of how people were feeling, even if you weren't understanding their their actual words, which was really cool. So, um, basically, the episode starts off. There's, like, a huge backlog of in the maintenance schedule. When that happened, I thought this is going to be one of the O'Brien gets tortured episodes like I didn't remember what episode this was from the first time I watched um you know like every season there's always like an O'Brien is in like hell kind of episode (laughs) so I was I wasn't sure if this was going in that direction so basically all the, the replicators are broken and he's trying to fix it but they they kind of zoom in on this little device that's attached to one of the replicators that he's trying to fix so you know that something shady's going on
1: not only do they zoom in but the music changes to be <laughs> yeah. a little bit more like sinister so like, like they, this yeah, is they, important they telegraph it quite well yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and i think it's pretty impressive too that the device that ultimately like plants the aphasia virus in the the food replicators um it's been there for years and hidden so it's like wasn't found by the Cardassians. Wasn't found recently by the Bajorans or, or Starfleet, I guess. You know, the station's really big or whatever. But, like, you'd think once the Cardassians left that there'd be a... Uh... A sweep, and they'd they'd catch all those uh, booby traps and stuff like that.
0: I was thinking the same. Like you'd think that they would use some sort of like check for bugs or check for some anything.
1: Yeah, but I guess maybe in fairness, because now I'm just thinking back to the pilot where you know there they was they're just it was they, tough to even yeah. just get get power going and things like that. So That's maybe fair. it's maybe they have maybe they'll do it process. now.
0: Maybe maybe yeah. that'll be the no. next the next. I, the next I hope so. <laughs> I hope so.
1: I hope they do it now.
0: Yeah. Who knows what else is planted there?
1: Whatever the writers need for the for the episode to cause drama. That that's what's what's planted there.
0: I love um Odo accidentally lets slip that the command replicators are fixed and you could just almost see the light bulb the light bulb over Quark's head. That's yeah, like Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And then the next scene you see him like partying because his restaurant bar is back in business.
1: Well, I mean he sees he sees a business opportunity. Oh right? yeah. And Quark's Quark's uh not one to not jump at a business opportunity i guess (laughs) we get insight too that like cork has those different data rods or whatever to uh
0: oh yeah you know
1: hack hack the systems he's not supposed to to get into
0: i kind of laugh at his that those little um those they i don't know what, what what they're called but they were just out in the open like i felt like he'd have them in like a locked box somewhere so that no one finds his stash of things to get into the security system He was just like pulled out a drawer and just was shuffling through. You can't see me now, but I'm doing a shuffling motion with my hands.
1: So we have Kieran Dax, kind of you know, as as Quark's is is reopening, and you know, after his food replicators have theoretically been fixed, but not because he he's been sneaking on the command level so he doesn't get force-fed gross soup by his his customers anymore. And I I actually
0: gagged during that scene.
1: And like shout out to Quark's like best friend of me Odo for uh, having his back in in that situation. Um, we love to see it. Um, Odo did something kind of kind of nice and altruistic for once, so that's yes. like, that was that was nice to see. But yeah, so we have the the party that you mentioned kind of going on Quark's so like grand <laughs> reopening for <laughs> you know the re- the hacking hacking the replicators and things like that, and we have Dax and Kira you know, strolling the promenade, and Dax is getting a lot of attention from largely, you know, male male characters as as she, her and Kira walk down the, the promenade, and Dax makes a comment, again, Jadzia being a woman, and Curzon having been a man before for, like, 70 years or whatever she says. Um, Dax makes a comment about forgetting how the different you know what it, forgetting how different it was to navigate the universe as a woman contrasted to when her previous host was a was a male so i was curious Elise, least to hear your thoughts and what you felt about the this episode's approach and this this section how it looks at um the attention jadzia is is getting as she's just you know hanging out with her friend walking walking you know window shopping and whatever and both the, the that moment in the episode and then Dax's you know approach and, and you know response to that attention I was, I was curious about your thoughts there
0: yeah and and we don't really hear the exact comments people are making because it's kind of mostly background noise so it's not like uh there's a specific comment to spring from but I just wanted to say that it almost makes her seem like they're trying to make her like the quote-unquote cool girl who doesn't get offended if a dude says something inappropriate to her I feel like that and there's absolutely nothing wrong with liking that sort of attention but I do think that having her as the cool girl or the I'm not like other girls trope is overdone in 2021 maybe not at the time it wasn't you know I feel that it almost implies that women who do get upset in these situations are just, quote unquote, like not being a good sport or taking things too seriously. So I'm not saying that the scene 100% does that, but it seems like this in general do give me that feeling where a woman's feelings on either being catcalled or being complimented on their appearance by acquaintances or strangers like it's okay not to like that so i i like kira is clearly like not interested in any of that and i don't think they make her seem like a poor sport but i do think scenes in general like this can potentially do that
1: based on my recollection of of the episodes i don't know if we necessarily see anyone cat calling jedzia as much as it's like the very obvious like checking out and like the side glance no but, like,
0: you're you're right you're right
1: right but like i th- i think too i think you're like right on and i you like you're you're right on and you know it is very much kind of that like cool girl like i think that's a good way to to describe it yeah um it, it and it just kind of goes back to i think a lot of the um unsureness from like the writer's perspective of like who jed zia was like again there's terry we've talked about that terry farrell quote before about am I Yoda or am I, like, you know, a Grace Telly type, Kelly type and, like, all of that? Um, and, like, I don't think, and I, I suspect you you would agree with me, but, like, there there's nothing wrong with owning your body or your sexuality or anything else like like that, which I think maybe that's part of where, like, you know, I can see that read of, of Jedzia in the, this moment as well. It just, and again, because Star Trek is it's about the future yes but it's written you know contemporary as it's time by contemporary human beings and etc cetera, etc cetera. i like i did like that like it doesn't this episode doesn't like look down on kira for not um necessarily sharing the same perspectives of, of judge zia there but it just i don't know just dudes don't be so gross like don't catcall don't be like like look respectfully and I don't think the episode was really like looking respectfully and just a
0: just I do agree with you like owning your own your body and having a say in how you're either perceived or you know how how people I mean you can't control how someone looks at you but you would hope that people would be respectful but it's Being able to make the choice of when you want that attention and when you don't want that attention. Like, and you know me, I'm someone I'll put, I'll throw an outfit of the day up on the timeline once in a while. But like, those might be instances where I want attention and there's nothing wrong with that. But it should be up to the person who's getting the attention when that should be, when the on and off switch should happen.
1: Totally. All right, so... Just to, to jump back in the the episode, kind of into the plot. So O'Brien's the f- first person to contract symptoms or show symptoms of the virus, you know, and it gets stricken with this this, this virus where, you know, his his cognitive processes are all fine. It's just the episode does a good job of breaking it down. It's like I would look at a tricorder and think tricorder, but would say window. Right? right, so I think it does a good job of kind of breaking down like what's going on, what's going on, just to its you know particular elements, and I and I think too something that I, I I know we have in the notes here, and I do want to kind of call out is just how good Colm Meany's, as O'Brien's his performances when he like when the virus kind of takes hold and like the look on his face when he realized that like he's not being understood and like. He isn't like you can't communicate and have that like we said that kind of important pillar of like relationship relationships and, and cultures kind of like stolen from you like there is like a pretty understandable look of, of fear and shock and concern on his face. It's not not something we necessarily see from O'Brien a lot of the time because he is just kind of that that steady kind of every man so I found it quite effective.
0: Yeah, I um I agree with all of that. And this it happens later in the episode and this there's a scene later where Jadzia is smiling at Cisco and Jadzia has the virus. So it's interesting how you can't they can't use words to communicate, but they can use facial expressions and how this is true in the scene you just described, like, you know, O'Brien can't say how he feels but you can, I think even in the episode, the characters can tell on his face regardless of what he's saying. How someone, and especially later with the, the smile scene I'm talking about, just how you would communicate with someone who you, you, when you don't speak the same language. One thing I was really excited about, um, when Julian's doing all his tests and he can't find anything wrong, the um, the woman that played Nurse Jabara, was um, none other than Anne Gillespie, who played Jackie Taylor on Beverly Hills and oh, yeah. I feel like I remembered that from my first watch, but I had forgotten, and I was so excited to see her in this. She's actually in a bunch of things. I think I saw her recently in a Murder, She Wrote episode, so it's just nice to see, like, an actress or an actor you like just from something else just popping up in deep space 9.
1: So you were you were like Leo pointing meme when when she showed up and then felt 100% so it happened.
0: <laughs> uh Jackie Taylor, such a complicated um character. So in trying to find out what's going on and where this virus has come from or even what is causing this miscommunication I found it really interesting how Cisco asks Kira, oh, check out where O'Brien's been the last 52 hours. And I just, it really reminded me how no one in Star Trek has any privacy of any kind. They're just looking at each other's logs and it just made me, um... And you see it all the time. They, someone will get brought to sickbay and the person that brought them, that has no medical knowledge, is just standing there while the doctor... You know Julian or Bev Crusher on TNG is just trying to figure out what's wrong. And um, basically, there's no HIPAA in space, is what I'm <laughs> what I'm learning here. <laughs> I was gonna say for those not in the in the U.S., um, it's that's a Health Insurance por- uh, Portability and Accountability Act. It basically just ha- is it protects you from having your medical information released to others without your consent.
1: I think that's like to this kind of wider kind of point of the like ethical concerns of patient information in in this episode and, and Star Trek writ large, I have less of an issue with Kira working on kind of retracing Miles' steps because that's that's essentially contact tracing and something that we're all no, kind that's of, you know fam- yeah. familiar with over like the last year. And like <laughs> I don't know necessarily if she would have been reading his personal logs, but like the work logs and kind of retracing his steps and doing that. Where the part of it for Star Trek, like you say, that I always kind of you know, kind of side eye a bit, and it and it happens I think pretty much in all the series, is those things where like where the issue of the week is some weird space virus that uh one of the crew members gets and their health information and like it as as that's the problem to solve it gets talked about in a staff meeting right yeah and that's when it gets a little like eh, like from an ethical perspective for me because i understand it's the problem i functionally get how it's tv so it's like i'm not i'm not losing sleep over it but like you're talking about someone's health in a work meeting and like what really stuck out to me in like this episode just because deep space nine i guess doesn't have a, a conference room yet and cisco's office was too big for the whole staff to meet they're sitting in the middle of ops with you know all the kind of other crew members around so it's like it's not even like it's in a meet like a, a meeting room a closed it's like door, they're just, yeah yeah it's just like in the middle of the kitchen basically
0: overhearing
1: (laughs) yeah no right so like yeah i get it but
0: yeah and i agree if we were losing sleep over this we wouldn't be watching star trek because it happens all the time fair enough
1: fair enough enough. and like hey at least this was like more we can look at it more from it being that kind of public health perspective and reasons for no yeah
0: unlike yes
1: unlike a, a certain next generation episode that I, I don't want to evoke, but it's an early season two episode that's really uncomfortable for a whole myriad of reasons in the child. But that's that's a whole other episode, but we don't need to unpack <laughs> right now.
0: So, we're about to have a quarantine because Dax gets sick. and relatable. <laughs> and Cisco's like, okay, this is too many people. And if you remember from earlier in the episode, Dax was standing near o'brien i think when he was fixing that one replicator that had that the doohickey or whatever that caught that ended up causing all of this so it made sense that she was next and um this is where it started to feel really familiar odo goes to quarks and is like dude why are you still open and he's like well we're an essential establishment and i was like (laughs) are you though (laughs) i was thinking cork should do um well obviously they didn't know that the food was the problem at this point but i was like cork should be doing like delivery or curbside pickup
1: yeah yeah it's it's just this episode like like it's 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 a good episode and i enjoyed it it's like a like you know it's like a solid like c plus or whatever right like it's not It's not great, but, like, it's enjoyable and entertaining to watch. But it just hit me so differently (laughs) watching it this time with, like, all these parallels. It's like watching Jaws right now, right? Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like, what's also interesting is, like, that that Quark isn't fined or, or flaunting any kind of, you know, as he flaunts public health orders. It's like, there seems to be no consequences, and he ends up, like, being one of the people that, like... Manages to stay healthy the longest and like help help save the day in the end. He was just just so busy
0: working that he didn't have time to eat his own food is what I'm thinking happened there.
1: Yeah, but it becomes airborne though too, right? That's (laughs) That's how it ends up spreading. So I mean, I was
0: um, just I was just joking.
1: Oh no, fair enough, fair enough. Um but yeah, but even like the idea, of like as the virus has different variants and it can do, so, we should yeah. probably <laughs> have like put, a content put something warning in the show notes the a beginning. giant like
0: pandemic <laughs> content warning. <Yeah>. um <laughs> battle but... the pandemic episode. So this is so Captain jahil is obviously begging to leave the station because he needs. This is something else that really s- like spoke to me with what's going on right now, is the line between needing to make money and feed your family versus safety for everyone. Like that is something that everyone's wrestling with. Well, not everyone, but people that have jobs that you physically have to go to are wrestling with this. And it just made me think that maybe the Federation should be offering financial aid to people who were not able to do their job at this very moment because of this pandemic being closing things down.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. Like in like with the parallels and stuff like that, it's just like I don't know. This is where it's like the Federation doesn't have money, but like, yeah. But like, Captain Jekyll is ostensibly, I think, outside the Federation, and it's just I don't know. I just
0: whatever, yeah, whatever he was going to get for doing the run or transporting. Yeah, he should have been. Thing, yeah, he should have been compensated. Pay
1: people to stay home. I agree.
0: Exactly. That's what. That's the bottom line. So I'm kind of um I'm kind of bothered by. Odo realizing that Quark had been using one of the replicators he wasn't supposed to because Quark had said that Rom had fixed the replicator and Odo is like well Rom's an idiot and I'm like I know they hadn't fleshed out the character yet and that is why this conversation happens but Rom is really good at maintenance and fixing things we know from later episodes so justice for Rom I don't like this Rom slander. Yeah, it's it's like
1: one of those things where it's you know you can tell that it's early in the series yeah. and like no they I, I get like, that but yeah it's one of those things that it it doesn't work in hindsight or like on a rewatch because like it's it's an incongruency right and even like when Rom gets a name last episode and we find out that he is Nog's father, um, Max um accent and voice that he ends up do choosing for Rom later he doesn't use in that episode either. So like, yeah, it's, it's one of those inconsistencies based on like what we, what we know later. Um, But I think there's even a bigger one of those with Rom coming up uh, in the, in the next kind of several episodes, but we'll talk about that when we get to it.
0: Oh yeah. I don't remember. So I'll be surprised at the time.
1: So we already mentioned the virus becomes airborne. More and more people are getting sick. Jake ends up getting sick as well. Um, so we have some really nice, nice kind of father son moments, which is nice because we haven't really seen many had many of those in that same ways. You know, well, I guess we had some of the school stuff last last episode, but right. it's always nice to see some some great space dadding from from Commander Cisco with with Jake. And the the doohickey, the booby trap, the booby hit trap is found, and turns out that. Well, there's. I guess I should say it turns out the booby trap is found. They find out, you know, Quark gets busted using the, the replicators and, and all of that stuff. And at first, Kira's convinced that it's Cardassian sabotage of because of the parts. Of course she
0: would be. Well, but I, mean, I A little like bit of
1: confirmation should... bias going on there.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the parts, but I feel like she would have assumed that anyway. I have my feelings. Yeah. I I know she likes to... She hates the Cardassians, so... She's. She likes to, and I don't think she's wrong. But she likes to look for a reason why they might be at fault for things.
1: But interestingly, it turns out that it was actually a booby trap set against the Cardassians by the Bajoran uh, resistance, by the Bajoran underground, right? And I, yes. I, I found some of the like wording there a little blunt. Um, because Julian refers to them, refers to it as a terrorist plot against the Cardassians and said it had been there for, like, you know, 15, 18, 20 years, whatever it was. And it just, I think that was, like, the first time on Deep Space Nine in my election we have heard the, the Bajoran it's... underground, the Bajoran resistance against the Cardassian occupation being labeled so blatantly as, as terrorists. And, yeah, I just it stuck out to me because i felt like up to that point the episode had been or the series had been a little bit more nuanced in some of in it, kind of how it, it referenced the bajoran um underground and the resistance against the occupy the armed resistance against the occupation so i felt that like a little bit blunt but in fairness it is our star starfleet character saying that and like that that would track from his perspective.
0: No, that was kind of where I where I saw how I saw it is that that was Julian's opinion, not necessarily yeah. the, show's the show's opinion. Yeah, and we had we've spoken about this earlier. Like he he can be a little naive about things, so yeah. it doesn't surprise me.
1: Yeah, and and I do think the whole like, and this is something I'm sure will come up as the as. You know we get deeper and deeper into the show and kind of dive into the character of kira more and more but something that is talked about a lot and i think it's it's even brought up in what we left behind the uh do space nine kind of retrospective documentary that that came out recently like how different the show probably would have portrayed kira and the bajoran resistance um had the show come out like ten years later, like had it been a post nine eleven show versus a pre nine eleven show for for better or worse, like I think a lot of this stuff would have looked different, and it just it's, it's an interesting thought experiment, and I don't know if there's a lot of like value in going too too deep on it, but it's something that did kind of stick out to me
0: so I absolutely loved the scene where um I think it might be the same scene where um Cisco is going to check on on Jake. But um you just see Quark saying nonsense to his customers to make sure they're not faking the illness to get out of paying him for their food and and drink. And I'm like, You're such a capitalist, Quark, and I can't imagine like having that outlook on life that I know and I know people like this that just they think everyone is out to get them at all times. It almost, like, I it, it was a funny scene cause I, because I know people like that, but it just, it's such a sad outlook on life. Like, your first thought would be, like, oh, they just don't want to pay me. Like, I know it was played for comedy, but, like, people really do think that way. I just feel like he would be the one, if he was in charge of giving out mutual aid to people, he'd be the one means-testing everyone to make sure that they're not, like...
1: Yeah, I don't even know if, uh... <laughs> Mutual aid is, a, is, is a, a phrase in Ferengi culture.
0: <laughs> probably um, not. I, he probably wouldn't be involved at all, but if he was.
1: No, and and just, like, again, not to, like, hammer on, like, the pandemic parallels too much more than we already have. But just like, Quark staying open, deciding he's essential, and, like, basically being the source like him staying open being a source of the spread before the virus mutates or has you know the variants created and everything else and like you know even if it's just like you say him being such like a capitalist it's like it's it's so like small business small capitalist like petite bourgeoisie like to like to a t right and like this whole like idea of like Small businesses and small capitalists being the backbone of the economy when it's actually workers who are the backbone of the economy. And, like, it's the small capitalists, the small business owners, who more often than not are the most reactionary, even compared to, like, large corporations, like, especially in the fight for something like a fair minimum wage. Right. Right? Because... They feel like it more directly affects them and their bottom line, and they feel it more, so they're more likely going to push against it than like a big corporation that could afford, yeah, to pay a higher makes, minimum wage. That
0: makes sense.
1: But they let the let the so like the the bourgeoisie let the petite bourgeoisie let the small capitalists let the small businesses be the vanguards against like the fight against something like raising the minimum wage. Because so that when you're
0: fighting for it, it, you're, like, arguing with, like, humans, not, like, big corporations.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, I- exactly. And, like, like rightfully, like, yeah, like, when you get down to, like, the, the brass tacks of it and the math, it's, like, a mom-and-pop shop, like, Quarks, is going to feel a high minimum wage more probably than, like, you know, a major, like, multi-galactic corporation. But, again, it it's, like... About where your where your values are and what your ideologies are and things like that, and the small businesses having that that kind of perspective gives the large corporations ideological cover, right?
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Quark's Quirk is arguing so that Space McDonald's can uh, get what they want,
1: which isn't to say just if you're listening to this podcast and you're. You're a small. You own a small business, or know someone who does. I'm not. I don't mean to say their particular small business is bad. Just to, to be clear, we we like to shop local and and all of that stuff as well. But uh, I'm more speaking kind of a a general theoretical framework sense. Not. I'm not throwing shade at, you know, your your cousin's store. So I just wanted to to be clear on that. <laughs>
0: Sorry, your cousin made me laugh. Um, like, so Kira's playing detective
1: a bit. She thinks that she talks to one of her her old friends from the Resistance. Um, thinks it might have found who created it, but can't get a hold of them. I think he's dead, actually. To be honest, yes, Brian's which felt very worse. um,
0: which fa- of course the guy was dead. Like, <laughs> it just felt like the obvious. Like, it felt like an obvious plot choice
1: well we needed me. how many more minutes in the episode right we needed like, <laughs> we needed like 10 more minutes the episode needed yeah. to yeah <laughs> anyways we find his we find his assistant on the computer and or she calls him does a facetime and uh he uh he he, he doesn't seem very helpful he uh, ends the call pretty quickly
0: yeah he blew her off as soon as uh, his name was dr Sir Mac ren and he basically just hung up on her the second she mentioned the virus which you know is pretty uh shady of him very sus as the kids are saying these days that might be over i don't know if they're still saying sus so she i found this kind of funny because i feel like they had they had this scene where cisco's asking odo for help to run ops because there's literally no one else to help and everyone's sick. And then they use that same logic when Kira is like, I'm going to go talk to this Sir Macren, which breaks the quarantine. Or you think it's going to break the quarantine. And Odo's like, well, there's no one else to handle it. And it's just, it was like too, too perfect almost.
1: Yeah. And like, I have a, qu- actually speaking of the Odo stuff, I guess maybe we can can talk about it now. Was your understanding, even though the episode doesn't explicitly say it, that, like, because Odo is a goo man, like, because he's a shapeshifter, um, the virus, like, he was immune to the virus? like
0: I think so. That if was he,
1: kind of my assumption. Like, but he's clearly not eating the
0: food. Like, he doesn't eat. Yeah. But then when it becomes airborne, maybe it just, like, travels through him or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I don't, I don't think... Odo breathes?
0: Right. That's fair. Like, I just just watched um, Captain America Civil War, and there's a scene where, like, Ant Man is really huge, and vision just, like, goes through him, and he's like, Someone just went through me. That's, like, what I imagine the virus and Odo. It just goes right through (laughs) him. (laughs) Fair enough. So, yeah, I don't think Odo was ever going to get the virus, but. I also don't think that they were clear on that. It's just, it's my head cannon on it, but it sounds like we're on the same page about. So I'm at this point. I'm like, what is Kira's plan? Because she says she has no intention of landing on Bajor. and I was like, all right, so she's gonna leave, but not break the pa- break the quarantine somehow. And she's in the runabout. Was that a runabout? I'm really bad with the ships. Yeah, yeah, it was. They're she's like in, the
1: super shuttlecraft.
0: Right. She calls sir Macren again she's like oh just wanted to make sure you're in your office and then without his permission beams him aboard her ship and i was like okay i realize he was being cagey about this virus but she's been on deep space nine this whole time so what are the ethics of knowingly exposing someone to this deadly virus without their knowledge and then she uses that it. against. I, hate her. It so I hated. Much. I really hated it too. Like I get things were dire, so there, I have two parts to it. I have. I hate it because it's like knowingly exposing someone to any sort of disease is unethical. Then she uses it against him. Like, oh well, you won't help us, but now you have to help yourself. But on, and I'm not forgiving any of this. But on the other hand, I felt that that was so accurate about how people often just don't care about any sort of issue. People didn't care, you know, people don't care even about COVID unless it affects their family. Like, it just felt so accurate where people don't care about a cause unless it affects someone they know or affects affects a loved one or affects themselves. And so I, I really, really hated it, but I also felt like it was kind of accurate. It, like helps there be an accurate scenario of why this guy would finally help them. I'm not excusing it at all. It was, I really don't like it. But at the same time, I really do think it showed something that we see reflected in our society all the time.
1: Totally. I, I concur. And, And it's like, yeah, no, I like, I can think of like a half a dozen, like other shows that like do kind of like something similar. And like, it just, it's, Right, like, it's a, how you can make people care sometimes is by directly impacting them. It's just...
0: It's so unethical, yeah.
1: It is, and it's, like, ostensibly, like, illegal. Um, like yeah. Assault, and, you know, depending on what type of, like, unsolicited virus or how you expose someone to it and, like, things like that. So like it's like, it's really gross, and I just... It's such a gross, like, narrative trope, and I just, it's, it's not one of, like, my least, it is one of my least favorites, I don't, there are ones that I don't like more, but I just, it's, it's gross, and it makes me feel, it makes me feel icky, but at the end of the day, that's what gets the, the cure, and then at the end of the episode, we have that kind of classic, you know star trek trope or episodic television trope where they have solved the the mystery they've solved the case of the you know aphasia virus there's an antidote now and you know everything can kind of get get back to normal for for next week right right? as as the station turns so are the days (laughs) of our lives
0: before we get to everything is okay um Cisco opens a station-wide channel asking for anyone who can help to come to Ops. And then as soon as that happens, he starts showing signs of the virus. And here comes Cork to the rescue. <laughs> Cork in Ops is wild to me. And of course, he wants to be paid for his efforts of helping people. Um, but at the same time, you can tell he's having a blast, like being in charge and pressing buttons and... He seems like he's having a lot of fun because, and I think part of it is because he knows there's animosity between him and the characters that need his help. But um, I do, I do as much as I think it's gross to um, want financial um, help, uh, uh, financial gain from helping people not to die. um, I do get a lot of enjoyment of Quark being Quark, like, When he does, like, exactly what you expect him to... I have similar feelings about, like, The Sopranos, which I've talked about before. Just when you know the character so well and they just do the thing that you, like, that's so them, I just, that's... It's just a thing in TV that I get such enjoyment out of. Like, it's... I find it so comforting. (laughs) Even though it's, like, a gross thing. Just seeing people act like themselves, it just makes me happy.
1: Right. No, totally. It's, it's like... Yeah, it's like when you go to a concert and like the band plays your favorite song, and you're like, "Yes!" Exactly. I, I, it's I exactly it. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, play the hits. Don't play the new stuff. Play the one we want. Yeah. And then my they par- save it for like the the last encore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my parents once went, went to a Bruce Springsteen concert, and they had the worst time because they're not like huge Bruce Springsteen fans. But they, like, they know his hits, and he did not play one of them, and they were so upset. They were like, that was (laughs) such a waste of our money. And we kind of just,
1: like, blazed through it, but I guess the only other thing to kind of touch on before we move into our, our regular segments um is a lot of that kind of you know jahil stuff that we talked on where oh, yes, yes. he wants to leave and almost like almost again makes ads he's uses to add up the tension because his whole crew is sick and he wants to leave before he gets sick even though he's probably a carrier like we talked about before and that's yeah. that's part of the challenge that Quark and stuff gets to Quark and odo get to problem solve while kira's yeah kidnapping scientists basically but, they they
0: want it i i was, I was having I don't think it would really matter, but I was having a hard time following, like, what they were trying to do. I guess they were trying to manually detach the clamps so that the the, the the ship wouldn't be attached when it blew up. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Odo and Quark save the day, and Jaheel was saved, and They do
1: make a pretty good team.
0: They do. I love them. One note, and this... This might not have been on purpose, but the last scene of the episode, I find I found really funny, like Cisco goes to have his coffee from the replicator and the replicator's broken again and he screams O'Brien oh, like really really loud. This might not have been an homage to my one of my favorite movies, 123. It's a um, a 1961 Billy Wilder movie, but it feels really related, like the end of the movie. So TLGR The entire movie, James Cagney's character, McNamara, he's an executive at Coca-Cola in West Berlin, and anytime anything happens, he screams out for his assistant, Schlemmer, but, like, he screams it, like, Schlemmer, like, really loud, and at the end of the movie, he's buying a soda, buying sodas at a vending machine for his family, and he's handing them out to his family, and at the end, he looks at the bottle, and it's Pepsi instead of Coke, and he screams Schlemmer so loud, and it just felt like exactly how this episode ended, and I tried to look online to see if there was any correlation, but I didn't find anything. So I don't know if it was a coincidence or if someone did it on purpose, but I very much appreciated it. No, no,
1: it, it definitely sounds like a, an homage, and like right. and even like this episode, I haven't seen one, two, three yet. It's it's on my my shame files list, my my list of to get around to eventually. I was speaking of, of which. Of your...
0: I guessed it on our friend's podcast, the shame files pod about that episode. So you should definitely check that out. People. Sorry.
1: The ending reminded. No, oh, no need to apologize. The ending reminded me of the original series in a lot of ways. Cause the problem is solved. They've got an antidote and then the episode ends on a joke. Right? Yeah. Cause the, the, the replicators were a main thing that O'Brien was trying to fix, which led to the, the booby trap being set off and things like that. So it felt, uh, very Star Trek: The Original Series, in, in that way to me, where it like ends I can on see a that. joke.
0: Yeah, I, I really I really liked that ending. It it was funny. Say, I I, I want to see O'Brien's full list of like maintenance schedule. <laughs> I don't know why. Very busy. Yeah. Very it busy. Just seems like a lot. I'm
1: still, I'm still confused why they didn't just beam the people that were trapped in the airlock, out either oh, to their right, ship right. or to the <laughs> station. <laughs> that like because they're there's at the, and the the um, opening of the episode, there's people trapped in the airlock. I don't know why they just didn't transport them, but whatever. It was.
0: I feel like if they. It was a funny bit. Yeah, I mean, the real reason is because we needed to get introduced to Captain jahiel <laughs> but yeah, no, I in story totally. reason. I don't. I agree. I didn't consider that, but that seems like it would have been a logical fix. Like, still fix the broken door or whatever, but you know, at least get the people out.
1: <laughs> totally. Alright, well now it's time for one of our regular segments, the Altair Water Thirst Quench. Altair Water being first mentioned by Dr. McCoy in Star Trek 3, and we are very thirsty bitches, so we need to quench our thirst. So Elise, who are you thirsting for on this week's episode of Deep Space Nine?
0: I am thirsting for my gal Anne Gillespie as Nurse Jabara. She looked amazing as a Bajoran woman, and I really liked her 90s haircut. It just like she just seemed really capable and I would like to see her again. I I doubt we do. I don't remember, but I just she was very cute. So, yeah, cuz she was
1: running the field hospital, right?
0: Yeah, like that's like a badass yeah. job and I she just, she seemed like she was doing it really well and she seemed really capable and she was adorable. So, that's that was it for me.
1: This week for me, as much as I don't love how Kira problem solved in this episode, I did think there were some great Kira moments in this episode. And I really enjoyed, we talked about that scene where her and Dax are on the promenade and Quark's like, hey, come in. And the way Kira kind of plays with Quark and is like polite and playful, but like clearly says, step off. We're, you I don't cheat trust your
0: 1000th you. customer today. Yeah, that was,
1: <laughs> it was just really fun and i found it like it just did it for me and like again i don't i don't co-sign how she decided to to resolve it but like i just love competency and competency in a crisis and as she's like working through it and like you know problem solving or whatever it's just like yeah i like kira
0: she doesn't get spooked easily
1: no and like I, that's something that i like i appreciate about her
0: so, in our last segment, what do you think was the most Star Trek thing of the episode?
1: Well, at first, I had I had two. I had the the beaming someone up without their consents, and then our whole discussion on crew members' health discussed in a, in a group meeting. But I think I'm going to add an audible for one here that we've just been talking, and I think it's not using the technology that's available in other episodes to solve part of the problem in an episode because you just talked about the people being trapped in the airlock where right, we could right. we could have just beamed them out um and there's like a lot of episodes in like especially star trek the original series before they had like created the shuttle craft where the transporter wasn't working so people were trapped on the planet when it's like we'll just send down a shuttle and you're fine but yeah. they haven't yeah the shuttles yet so so it kind of reminded me of that so any of those three i think are are pretty star trek what about you
0: um, I agree about the beaming up someone without their consent. That felt very um, Star Trek to me. Um, and your and your other suggestion about the... Um, or as I like to call it, there's no HIPAA in space. But um, it's funny. I tweeted yesterday about... I tweeted yesterday that there's no HIPAA in space. And I got a bunch of people replying and they just knew I was talking about Star Trek even though I didn't mention it, which I appreciated. But this morning... Someone was telling me that um, Dr. Phlox in Enterprise is a little bit better about it than other doctors. And I was like, of course he is. That was made after HIPAA started in 1996. So it's funny to see, how, oh. to see how shows might change with the times. Well, I, ha- I haven't watched that fully yet, so I'll get to it eventually. But I will look forward to seeing Dr. Phlox be a little bit more respectful about people's privacies.
1: The other thing about Flocks is he's like pretty much super horny all the time. But, like, <laughs> so it's like so John Billingsley who plays Flocks, definitely plays him that way, but like it's not like necessarily like gross or overt. It's just like guys horny on Maine a lot. I of the, time. Um, the
0: person who mentioned this that to me actually mentioned that also. <laughs> well, he the horny of the entire show. The person tweeted it was a at Trek Peeves. Uh Once you get past the theme song and the horny, it's a good show. I thought that was funny.
1: Enterprise can be really performatively horny at times, but yes. uh, that's that's another
0: podcast. <laughs> you know, I like to get off of topic. I think that's um, I think that's all.
1: I, I think we i think we did it i think we've babbled on long enough so in the meantime elise where can folks find more of you on the internet
0: Uh, you can find me on twitter and letterbox at elise underscore tendi e-l-y-s-e underscore t-e-n-d-i and you can find the show at instagram and twitter at pod rates p-o-d-w-r-a-i-t-h-s And you? You can follow me on
1: Twitter at at MaddieHugh, M-A-T-T-Y. And you can also catch me talking about Mad Men on my other podcast, Still Great Bob. As always, thank you to DJ Empirical for our theme music. And we will see you next time. Computer, end program.
0: Bye.